0: You are about to listen to A Mitzvah to Do Teshuvah from the Hilchus Teshuvah Bootcamp. This is Part 9 of The Lost Art of Teshuvah. All of the Shmooz as well as many series that deal with real-life issues are available on the schmooz.com or on the Shmooz app available for iPhone or Android. That's www.theshmuz.com or by phone at 718-906-6461. The Sefer Achinoch counts as one of the 613 mitzvahs, mitzvahs vidu the commandment to confess a sin. And most of the Monia mitzis, most of the Rishonim who count the mitzvahs, count this as a separate mitzvah. say, to do tshuva. Now, interesting enough, the expression in the Torah is specifically to confess. Sin nitztavenu lit davos lifnei Hashem, we are commanded to confess front from Hashem, kol for all of the sins shechatanu, be'ez ashenishanim aleim, when we feel regret on them. Now the Gemara goes through the process that if you're going to confess and not feel regret, that's considered tovel b'sheretz that's considered like going into the mikveh, still holding on to the rodent, meaning to confess with your lips, and yet in your heart still hold on to the avera, is not considered a valid tshuva. Therefore, the Gemara learns out, obviously this includes the rest of the process, the rest of the giving up the sin, feeling the regret, etc. Therefore, the Rishonim learned that even though the commandment specifies confessing, that's just part of it, but the actual mitzvah is to do tshuva. So this is a mitzvah's say incumbent upon every Jew to do tshuva for one's time. Now, what's rather interesting, if one thinks about this, is that any mitzvah say that a Jew performs, obviously we're commanded. It's not optional. I'm commanded to read Shema twice a day. I'm commanded to put on tefillin. But when I keep that commandment, I'm given tsar. I'm given reward. And what's amazing to think about is that I messed up. I blew it. I did avera. And again, we spent some time in the previous sessions trying to get a sense of what navera is. But whether we fully get the magnitude or not, the bottom line is, I messed up. Not only did Hashem create a system via which I can undo the damage that I've done, but I actually get reward for doing it. I'm commanded in the mitzvahs, I say, of doing tshuva. And when I fulfill that mitzvah for that mitzvah itself, I get reward. So it's a rather interesting illustration of the rachamim, the extent that Hashem has mercy, that Hashem understands our nature. Therefore, Hashem created a system of tshuva, and not only did Hashem create the system, we're given reward for actually doing it. Now, even though during the entire year this mitzvah applies, and at any given time if a person does the process of tshuva, he fulfills this mitzvah, there is one time in specific when this mitzvah is incumbent upon a Jew... And that is on Yom Kippur. As the Sefer Chenech says, This mitzvah applies at all times to men and to women. but overall zeh, one who violates this, and one who violates this and doesn't confess his sins, on Yom Kippur, which is a day that's permanently set for forgiveness and atonement, he violated this ase. The concept, I'm an is that I'm obligated to fulfill it. The actual time when I'm obligated to fulfill this mitzvah of tshuva is on Yom Kippur. Meaning if on Tuesday afternoon in the middle of February, I don't do tshuva, I'm not considered one who's mevatl on say, because the actual time when the mitzvah has a chiyuv component to it, when I'm actually obligated to do it, is on Yom Kippur. So again, any time during the year that I fulfill the mitzvah, it is a mitzvah kiyumis, I do get reward and tshuva works but it becomes a mitzvah chiyuvis, it becomes an obligatory mitzvah on Yom Kippur, and if a Jew passes through Yom Kippur without doing this process of tshuva, he is mevatel this mitzvah say. Now, in addition to being mevatel mitzvah say, the shari the tshuva in shari shon osbeis is very, very graphic when he illustrates what happens if a Jew doesn't do tshuva. Imagine for a minute that we finally got it. We understood the gravity of a sin. And then we understood that Hashem, in His infinite mercy, gave us a way to get out of prison. We're locked in prison, we're in this deep, dark dungeon, and Hashem, with His infinite mercy, gave us a way out. If a Jew doesn't make use of that, then it's like a patch and punim it's like a slap in the face to Hashem. Not only is Hashem willing to overlook our sin, Hashem gave us the, the tools to get out, and you, you don't use the system, you don't do tshuva, That itself is something that's considered an affront, that's considered a chutzpah. It's not bad enough that you transgressed, but you actually didn't take the opportunity to do tshuva on it. And therefore the shari tshuva is very strong when it stresses the fact that a Jew needs to awaken himself and make use of this system of tshuva. Now, in terms of how the question of whether tshuva really works or not, whilst we've discussed it previously, the fact that we have many illustrations from Chazal, <coughs> from stories from Acher, from Rabbi Lozabar in the previous sessions we discussed that chuva clearly works. It's important to hear very clearly the way the Rambam brings it down. The Rambam, Yana Chazaki, Chuva Aleph brings as follows. <coughs> tshuva atones for all sins, <coughs> even if a person is wicked his entire life, <coughs> in the last moment, he says <coughs> on his deathbed, a shum dava They mention nothing from his wickedness. A person could be a wicked fool his entire life. If on his deathbed he does tshuva, they mention nothing. It's eradicated, eliminated. Again, we saw illustrations in this in the Gemara. But again, the Rambam brings this halacha in Hilchas Tshuva. Now, in terms of what is tshuva, or what I would call the essence of tshuva. The Rambam also in Parak Beyu is very clear when he describes what tshuva is. Maya tshuva What is tshuva for the sinner to leave his sin? alav yodei until the one who knows the secrets, until Hakadosh Baruch until Hashem would be a witness about this person. yashuv that this human being will never return to that sin. If you want to know the essence of tshuva, the essence of tshuva is not just leaving the sin, but leaving the sin and changing to such an extent that Hashem would be a witness to the fact that this human being who stands here now is radically different than the person who did that act. This human being who stands here now never would have done it. The Tulumos, one of those secrets is made, alav, would say about him, that is considered a total, complete tshuva. Now, we'll soon see that there are different levels to tshuva. That's a complete tshuva. <clears throat> the Rambam is going to describe to us the difference between a perfect tshuva and an imperfect tshuva. It says the Rambam, <clears throat> a perfect tshuva, he says as follows, Easy <clears> tshuva gemura, what is a complete tshuva? Zesha balyodo dova a man who has the opportunity a second time to do the very same act. Ve'ev <clears> lasoso, <throat> there's nothing preventing him from doing it. And he stopped himself and didn't do that act because of the tshuva, not because he's afraid, not because he's weak. That is a perfect tshuva. And then the Rambam gives us a case in point. He says, Imagine for me, a man lived with a woman in, in, in a forbidden relationship. After a period of time, he was, he was together with this woman he still loves her. Gufo is still strong and he was in the same country, the same setting. We have the same man, same situation, same woman, same passion and he doesn't do the act. That is a chuva Gomura that is a total complete chuva that is a perfect chuva. However, The Rambam goes on to tell us there's something called an imperfect tshuva. What's an imperfect tshuva? If a man only returns in his old age, at a time when he can no longer do what he had once did. Even though that's not a complete tshuva, it's not a perfect tshuva, it helps about tshuva, and here's about tshuva. I feel our kol yamav, even if he passed all of his days, vassachuvah biyomi sasso, and on his deathbed he did may umespis yuvasso, and in that state he left this world, kol habanasav nimcholim, all of his averas are forgiven. Meaning, if a man is in a situation where he no longer has the physical capacity, no longer has the ability, he's an older man, he's a weak man, he's on his deathbed, whatever the case may be, in that case, clearly he's not the perfect Balchuva. He's not the man who's standing in the same situation and actually resisting, and therefore it's not a chuva muula, it's not the perfect chuva. However, it is still a effective chuva, it still works and it eliminates the averas. And that chuva is accepted. Now, the Rambam also brings down a very interesting timetable for chuva being accepted. And the reason why this timetable is very important to understand is because it will give us a inkling into what's involved in a sin. Again, we start from the perspective of, what's the big deal? As I mentioned in one of the previous shurim, the, to us a sin is kind of like speeding. Shouldn't have, you know, But let's not, let's not get bent out of shape, let's not make it like it's a crime, like it was forbidden. So to us, since we have a very cavalier attitude about violating the prohibitions of the Torah anyway, it's very important for us to hear the Torah's perspective on chuva the tshuva process, and as a Rambam will explain to us, how tshuva is accepted. And he says as follows, if a man was over any mitzvah's assay, if a man didn't do a single assay, whether it be not saying shema, not putting on tefillin, not taking up a little of not sending a sukkah, whatever the mitzvah's assay that a person did, provided it's a assay that doesn't have curries, also chuva, if a person did tshuva, he doesn't move from that place. he doesn't move from that place until they forgive the sin. If a man didn't do an assay and he does tshuva, the sin is eradicated, eliminated. It's no longer on his record. It's no longer there. However, say. Let's say a person violated a losa a negative prohibition. A person ate treif. A person spoke lashon hara. A person maybe looked at things that were inappropriate provided it's Elosus Hashem Bokaris, and it doesn't Mrs. Bezden, then also Tshuva of a man to Tshuva, Tshuva of Yom kippurim in combination with Yom Kippur atones, meaning in the middle of February, a man looked at a woman that he wasn't supposed to look at, he violated Elosus Surah Acharei and he recognizes what a fool I am. How could I have done that? The Torah warns me not to, the Torah told me not to, and he goes through the steps of Tshuva, Granted, he's done tshuva, but the Avera is still around. It's not until the day of Yom Kippur comes along, that sumo shalyom, the power of the day, together with his tshuva, eliminates it. Meaning, during the rest of the year, even though he's done tshuva, even though he felt tremendous regret, tremendous remorse, the shadow, the shell of that Avera is still hanging around, and it's not until he lives through the next Yom Kippur that that sin is actually taken off. That is for a regular losase. What about a losase which carries krisos or Mrs. <coughs> then a person has to do tshuva, has to go through Yom Kippur, and he also must suffer through pain, through travail, through Yisurim. Says the <coughs> Rambam, never will a person get full atonement for a losase which has krisos, which has Kuris, or Mrs. Never will he have a full kapara, a javola visurin, until he goes through travails, pains, torture. Why is that? Because again, the gravity of the situation. Again, to us, it's, what's the big deal? So he wasn't so careful in Shabbos. He did bore on Shabbos. Oh, is it that, that horrible? Is it that horrific? But that's because we don't get it. We don't understand. But not only is that such an egregious act, but even if a man fully gets it, and he really digs down deep in the core of his essence and begins crying bitter, bitter tears. How could I have violated that <clears throat> lo And he lives through Yom Kippur. Even still, the avera, the shadow, the skeleton hangs around <clears throat> until he suffers some type of travail, some type of pain. You soon come upon him. And then the Rambam says that all of this is only <clears throat> true if he was not Machal Hashem. If he caused a Chilol Hashem in the process, then it's even worse. Then, chuva, Yom Kippur, and even Yisurin are not enough. A Avera that carries with it an element of Chilol Hashem needs another part for the atonement. It's not fully cleaned off the record. It's not fully expunged until a person dies. And the Rambam explains that there you need four things. You need chuva, Yom Kippur, Yisurin, and in addition to that you need the death to be mechaper, you need the full, full leaving of this earth to actually eliminate the shadow, the shell of the avera. But that avera sticks around until it happens. So the reason why I think it's very important to hear this particular halacha again is because it lets us understand that the tshuva process is exactly that. It's not just a feel bad, it's gone sort of mechanism. It's not I say I'm sorry and the avera is gone. It's a system. It's a process. And there are steps in it, there are timetables in it. And it's a very complex system that Hashem created to allow that which doesn't make sense to actually happen. Again, as we mentioned previously, the Masih Sham says, Tshuva makes no sense, because the Aveira is still there. The damage that I've done to myself, the damage that I've done to the world, is still there. If a man created a mom's or child, the child is still there. If a man killed another man, the dead body is still around. The tshuva doesn't change it to allow allow the human race to continue, to allow the Jewish nation to reach its height. Hashem created a system of tshuva, but it's a very, very complex system and requires following it to the T. Another exception to the rule of tshuva is a ben adam l'chavero. What we've been discussing up to now are between man and God, ben adam l'makam. Between man and man is in a different category. The Shulchan Archayim Simin Tafre says as follows Averisha ben Adam Lachavaro, a sin between man and man, Eyn Yom Kippur Mechaper. Yom Kippur does not atone until he appeases his friend. Even if he only bothered him with words, Sarech Lephaiso, you have to appease him. Meaning, if you stole money from your friend, and you sit there on Yom Kippur, clapping all the alchaits in the entire machzor, it will not bring you atonement until you return the money that you stole. So too, if you spoke lashon and Her about a person, and you caused them damage, whether it be financial damage, damage in terms of their reputation, damage in terms of their standing in the community, until you ask mechila, until you appease them, you haven't righted that which is wrong. The sin is still there. And therefore there is a minhag to minfayis chavero on Erev Yom Kippur. We ask forgiveness, we ask mechila whether we recognize we've sinned or we don't. We go to our friends and ask for forgiveness and that's Allah brought in Shulchan Aruch, that an Erev Yom Kippur person should ask mechila from the people that he typically interacts with because again, a sin between man and man Yom Kippur does not atone until I appease my friend. Now, the actual process of tshuva has four components to it. Up until now, we've been discussing where the tshuva works, <clears throat> the timetable for it, but now we're going to discuss the actual tshuva process. And the Rambam tells us in Parag Bayes that there are four components to tshuva. The first component to tshuva is that the sinner should leave his sin. The sinner should make up in his mind, I and the sin are separate, no longer. I'm not attached to it. He separates himself, he distances himself from the sin. The second part of tshuva is Shiyagmar belibo balibo shalei He does what's called a kabbalah al He makes a firm decision in the future never to return to it. See, last Tuesday at 2 p.m. I did ex-avera. The first thing I have to do is think back on that and separate myself from that Avera, leave that sin. The next part is a plan for the future. I will never do this again. That's a Kabbalah an acceptance in the future, never to do it again. Component number three of Tshuva, yisnach, Yisnachem al-Shavar, he should have charotah, he should feel regret on that which happened. Meaning to think back that Tuesday when I made that wrong decision, how could I have done it? What was I thinking? And feel the remorse, the repentance. That's the third element of tshuva. And the fourth component of tshuva is He has to speak out with his mouth, he has to speak out with his lips, the actual words, I sinned, I did what's wrong. Now, all four parts are necessary for tshuva. If you do one without the other, you do three without the fourth, it has some effect, but for a complete tshuva, to eradicate the sin totally, all four parts are needed. You have to leave the sin, you have to accept in the future not to do it anymore, you have to have charata, which is remorse, and you have to have vidui, you have to have the actual confession and the actual saying to Hashem, I did this avera. Now, I'd like to go through each of these component parts one by one, so that we'll get familiar and comfortable with the actual component, so that we could actually do it properly in practice. The first component of tshuva is aziva sachet, living the sin. And as recorded earlier, the Gemara tells us that if one tries to do tshuva, but doesn't leave the sin, it's like going to the mikvah, holding on to the rodent. A sheret is mitame. If I'm holding on to that lizard, and I go into the mikvah, I cannot become purified by the waters, because the source of impurity is touching me right now. It's still here. If one holds on to the avera, then all of the tshuva in the world will not help. The Gemara begins this with an example of stealing. If I've stolen something and I klap achet, if I don't return the stolen object, clearly it's not a tshuva. And the Gemara then applies it to all other types of things. So if I spoke Lashon Hara, if I ate treif, if I looked at inappropriate things, if I said brachos levatala, throughout the long list of all the things, if I don't leave the sin and I say the words, I didn't do tshuva, because the very first part, the very first component of tshuva, which is leaving the sin, I didn't do, and it doesn't work. The second part of tshuva is a kabbalah Laba, accepting not to return to it. And that is, in plain language, having a plan. This is my plan. I will never do this sin again. Now, some sins, it's easy to create a plan not to do them. If a person ate tray food, it's reasonably simple to imagine that you could put together a plan never to do it again. You make sure you're not in a difficult situation. You make sure you don't allow yourself to get that hungry. You make sure you don't pass that restaurant after you haven't eaten for a day. And having a plan in that sense is rather straightforward. There are many of areas that are not so simple. There are many of areas that are very, very difficult to actually say to Hashem, I will never do this of again. And the question is, what do you do when you come to one of those Averas, when you know fully well that you might do that Avera again? So, Hr. Salant Sol explains to us that there's something called Begeder Osei Tshuva. I'm in the process of doing chuva. Ideally, when I leave the sin, it is completely, totally foreign to me. I've left it behind and I will never do it again. That's the ideal chuva. However, because that's not so easy... There is a concept of being in the parameters of one who's doing tshuva. I have a plan. I am in the process of cleaning my act up. Right now, it is very difficult for me, but I'm going to lengthen the time between the incidents. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to develop. I don't know if it will be this year, maybe be next year, maybe in five years from now, but eventually I will leave this sin totally and completely. That Apparently, that concept of being begetter ose tshuva in the category of one is doing tshuva is also acceptable, and also <coughs> has an effect in chuva. Again, it's not a tshuva gemura, it's not a complete chuva, <coughs> but it is a partial tshuva, and it certainly will allow a person to move forward. Now, with this in mind, I'd like to mention something that my Rebbe, the Roshiva, used to say on a regular basis, <coughs> and it's actually Allah Shochan Aruch, the Mishabur brings it down, that one is obligated to learn Sifrei Musr every day. Now, <coughs> we all understand the importance and the significance of learning but Mishnaburah points out that this of this obligation to learn Musr, comes before most other Suddharm. And the reason really is quite simple, because the learning of Musr allows me to wake up to my reizan de why I'm here on this planet. It allows me to understand my plan, my purpose. It allows me to focus on improving my midos. It allows me to focus on all of the various things that I need. And it's certainly a big part of being begeder o Meaning, if I'm able to stand in front of Hashem and say the following words, Hashem, I am far, far from perfect. And I wish I could do a total, complete shuvah. I wish I could say to you that that avayor that I've done, I will never, ever do again. But unfortunately, I can't say those words. But I do have a plan. My plan is to eradicate it. I'm going to lessen the frequency. I'm going to increase the time between doing it. And more than anything, I'm going to learn Musar daily, because that will strengthen my resolve, strengthen my energy source, and that more than anything will bring me to a greater ability to actually withstand and become a total Balchuva. And I believe for that reason, it is very important to mechazek ourselves to the obligation of learning Musa on a daily basis. <clears throat> on a personal level, I vividly remember the shiva over and over saying, a person has to learn at least 20 minutes of Musa a day, 20 minutes of Musa a day, there were certain periods I have to admit that I didn't always do it. And it was only after a while of not doing it that I recognized the folly of it. Because while I was involved in learning and at various times giving shir, being very involved in learning for hours a day, if I wasn't learning Musr there was a lack. It didn't have the same fire. It didn't have the same energy, the same burn. And it is an obligation upon a person to learn Musr daily. And it is a very, very key element to being a successful Jew. So that's... Component number one is aziva leaving the sin. Component number two is kabbalah having a plan for the future. I will never do this again. If a person can totally make a kabbalah, that's great. If not, at least beget their osay tshuva in the category, of one who's headed on the way. And now we come to the third component. The third component is charata, remorse. Now, the shari tshuva explains for something very, very critical. And he says that there are many levels to tshuva. Chuva is not an on and off switch. chuva is not an all or nothing. There are many, many levels to chuva. And he says, as a mushal, imagine you have a cloak. You have a very nice cloak. And on it, some, you're walking in the street and a car comes and splashes mud on it. What you do is you rub the stain. If you rub a little bit, some of the caked on mud comes off. You rub a little more, some more comes off. Rub it some more, some more comes off. Finally, if you take the two parts of the cloak and rub it one against another very, very hard, and you carefully rub, 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 after a long time, you'll finally get rid of the stain completely until you cannot even see the stain at all. Explains the Shari Tshuva, that is a mushal for Tshuva. If a person stands there on Yom Kippur any time during the year and says to Hashem, I sinned, and he really feels badly about it, that will do some good. If he does the four steps of tshuva, he leaves the sin, makes a kabbalah ba, he actually feels remorse, and he then says vidui. That will eliminate some of the sin. But in accordance to the level of his charata, in accordance to the level of his remorse, will be determined how much of the sin remains and how much is fully eradicated. <clears throat> if a person feels some remorse, some of the stain is removed. More remorse, more is removed, more and more, until to actually fully eliminate the sin, to make it that there was no stain whatsoever, as if it never happened, requires a very, very deep sense of regret, remorse of really, really getting it. And in that vein, I'd like to share with you some of what I would consider almost a scale for measuring charata, a scale for measuring regret. Let's take level one. Imagine for a minute the following. Someone comes over to you and gives you a $100 bill. And you, because you're very busy, you put it in your shirt pocket. You don't think about it much. And uh, by mistake, you take off that shirt in the evening and you put it in your closet. And your wife takes it to the dry cleaners and you say to yourself, Oh, idiot, I left a $100 bill in the shirt pocket and it's gone. I can't believe how foolish I was. That is a level of regret. A hundred dollars, and it was foolish, and I lost it. That is a very real regret, and that would be what I would call level one regret, and it is real, and if one had that type of charata, that type of regret for a sin, it definitely would do some good in terms of eliminating the sin. Let's say case number two. Case number two, you buy a used car. Let's say for argument's sake you spend about $4,000 on the car, and you're clearing back and forth. Gee, $4,000. To take out collision on the car is $1,500. Ah, come on, I can't do that, but I should. I can, I can't. That's it. You tell the insurance agent, no collision. I'll take just the standard coverage. And you take your chances. You're driving one day, talking on the cell phone, you're multitasking, drinking coffee, doing three other things you don't watch, and you smash right into a pole. You get out of the car, Baruch Hashem, you're untouched. Chaz de Hashem, the airbag deployed. You literally come out unscratched, and you see that your car is totaled. And you say, "Okay, listen, Baruch Hashem, I'm untouched. I'm good. I'm going to call my insurance agent, then get a new car." Uh Oh, no collision. Oh, idiot that I am. Four grand down the drain because I was too busy talking on the phone and drinking a cup of coffee. What a fool! What was I thinking? What was going on in my brain? What is wrong with me? That regret is a whole lot deeper. That regret is a whole lot more profound. And if a person were to feel that type of regret when he was doing tshuva, that type of regret obviously would have a much greater effect on eliminating the sin. But I think there's a third level which is far more profound. Imagine the following case. You're well-established in life, married with a couple of kids, and you own your own home, and you're made very very careful to make sure that you have a good amount of equity in the home. <clears throat> and at night, something happens, a fire goes off, and the, th- the house itself is um, burning up. You rush, you get your kids out, every one of them, you get your wife, and chaz de Hashem, everybody's out of the house, safe and sound. <clears throat> you call 911, the fire trucks come, but it's late in the game. And you see the house is wiped out, destroyed. They finally put the fire out. But Baruch Hashem, Chaz Hashem, everybody's safe and sound. And you make plans that night to sleep in a hotel. Baruch Hashem. Okay, the next morning, you call up your insurance company to report the uh, total loss. (coughs) Got to get a new house, new contents, whatever. And the uh, agent says, uh, um, Insurance? We don't seem to show any record. What do you mean you don't show any record? I've been insured with you guys for years and years. You gotta see, that's my name. Here's my, my social security name. Check it out. He looks and looks and looks. And, I'm sorry, um, I regret to tell you that your policy lapsed six months ago. There was no payment, and you're no longer covered. What do you mean? It's not possible. I pay my insurance every time. I always pay my premium. I always. What are you talking about? He looks further, looks further. I'm sorry, sir. I've looked into it. I <clears throat> searched your record. You do not have a policy. The premium has not been paid for six months. I apologize. And then you say to yourself, oh my goodness, he's right. I don't believe it. Six months ago, I got the cutoff notice and I I was going to pay it. I got busy. I can't. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. My house, the clothing, the pots, the pans, the svarim, everything we've acquired for 20 years were wiped out. I'm gonna live in an apartment, I don't have clothes for my kids, there's no way in the world I could afford the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to replace it. What does this leave me? What a jerk. What a fool. How could I not have paid it? How could I not have write, write, written the check it was five hundred dollars? What was the big what was wrong with me? That <clears throat> remorse, that karata, is far more profound. And the reality is that level 1, level 2, and level 3 probably don't even really equal the real harata that we will feel when we leave this earth. When I see the damage wrought to me, when I see the damage caused to my soul by my folly, by dumb things that brought me no benefit, I will feel such an intense regret, remorse, such pain, such utter, utter anguish, that it's difficult for us to imagine. But the more I w- awaken myself in this time, when I'm still alive, the more I think about it, the more I feel the karata and the more the stain I can get off, if I can le- reach a level one, that at least it's like I lost hundred dollars, if I can reach a level two, where at least it's like my car got totaled, and I didn't have insurance, and halavai, for some of the areas, I can reach a level th- three, where I really feel devastated, my entire financial future is destroyed, if we reach that level of charata, it eliminates the avera more and more. And again, in accordance to the amount of regret, remorse, that amount of the sin is taken off. Again, as the Shari tshuva tells us, that any chuva does some good, any remorse does some good, but the more you feel it, the more it removes it. And now we come to part four, the fourth component of Tshuva, which is confession, viduit. Now, the Shulchan Aruch brings down that one is not obligated, however, one should be mafarit l'cheit. Not publicly, but to Hashem. One should ideally specify the sin. Meaning, the actual vidu that we say is chatasi, avisi, pashasi. We say in various words in eslichos, chatanu, rashanu. Those words are the actual words of vidu. However, it is brought down, lalacha, that it is better to actually specify the sin. than Hashem, I sinned, with this particular sin and you mention the, the exact sin. Now it's very important to understand that vidui is actually a muna in practice. You see, one of the ironic parts of any sort of vidui is something that Paleoit points out to us. And he says as follows He says that basically a Jew doing a sin is kvira, is heresy, meaning if I got it, that Hashem is present if I acknowledged and understood that Hashem is right here, present, not 13 billion light years away in the sky, but right here in the room, how in the world would I have ever dreamt of doing what I did? I never would have had the audacity. I never would have had the chutzpah. I never would have done it. What I do by doing any chait, any sin, says the Peleoyot, is I deny the presence of Hashem. And therefore the Peleoyot tells us that actually if you think about it, Really, any sin is kfirah. It's heresy. Because what I'm doing with a sin is I'm denying the presence of... Hashem is not here. If Hashem was here, I never would have done it. Clearly, I'm denying Hashem's presence. Therefore, part of the vidu process is sort of bringing myself back to my senses. Admitting to myself again that Hashem is present. And the Sefer of actually explains in that language making it that the eye in, as if the eye that sees doesn't see, that's what doing the sin does, when you're admitting that Hashem was present, and you're admitting the sin to Hashem, you're not just admitting that I did the sin, I'm admitting that I did the sin, and Hashem, you saw it. As a matter of fact, to be honest with you, there are times during Vidur, when I feel a little foolish, because it's almost like I feel, um, as if to say, Hashem, I mean, I I don't really have to say this to you, because, I mean, you were there, and you know, so... I feel kind of foolish saying this, but... And you see that hargasha, that feeling, that sensation is a very key sensation. Because what it's saying to me is, you got it. Hashem was there throughout my entire year, every day, every moment, all the time, present and accounted for. And saying the words, Hashem, I sinned in front of you on this and this day, helps a person understand that Hashem is present helps a person understand Hashem's involvement in our life, and again, eliminates some of the kfirah, some of the denying, the heresy that I'm involved in. I'd like to share some good ideas of the tshuva. They're not really brought la but they are very good ideas. The first is to use lists. Now, in the machler itself, there are lists. We have the achetz, we have the shamnu baganus. typically the general categories. There are many other lists that are much more specific. They have published lists, Various people put out lists that you can get. But ideally, you should make your own list. Ideally, you should make a list of your sins before Yom Kippur, ideally during a session Truth be told, any time during the year, you make a list of your sins, your particular weaknesses, your areas. And when you have that index card and you pull it out on Yom Kippur, it's much easier to be ma'orer yourself. It's much easier to feel. It's much easier to waken yourself up. Now, one of the great difficulties with Yom Kippur is really getting in the right mode, the right frame of mind, the right mood. And what I've found often is that one chait can be the key to the rest of the day. See, we all have that one sin that even I admit is wrong. We all have that one aver that, I get it, I know it's not just like speeding. I know it's really a chait. If you start with that one sin and you really build the regret and you build the charata, and you build that feeling of remorse, and if you actually get yourself to cry, you can start changing your whole mind frame, your whole mood, and then it's much easier to carry it over to all the rest of the Averas. So I find it a very good idea to start with one Avera, and I mean a big Avera, something that's clear and obvious, something that's really inappropriate, something that's really a sin, and dwell on it, think about it, feel the egregiousness of it. Right in front of Hashem, while Hashem was watching, I did that Avera. <clears throat> and I did it, bemazed, I did it purposely, and I did it more than once. And I know how little I gained from it. I know how much I damage myself. I know how much Hashem gives to me and loves me, and Hashem put me on this planet to grow. And everything that's possible, Hashem does to me, and what do I pay Him back with? I pay Him back with that sin while He's watching. And more than that, Hashem keeps me alive. Hashem gives me the Khias, Hashem keeps my, the molecules of my fingers and my arms in existence, and with the very hand that Hashem keeps in existence, I take that hand and I slap Hashem Kaviyachol in the face. If you work on that and you feel it, and you feel the pain, the charata, for one sin, then it's easier to have that emotion spill over and continue for others. The Mishabur brings down a berhetiv It's very important and very interesting to be aware of. The berhetiv says that the Ari would cry on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Lari would say, that if a Jew doesn't cry, on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, it's a sign that his neshama is not shlema, isn't complete, isn't in a good state, and then the Berhetev says something very interesting, he says, that if you feel something, a sort of need to cry, on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and it just sort of comes on its own, you're saying the V'chom or you're saying the Sanatokif, whatever you're saying, and all of a sudden, there's a sudden welling up in your heart like a need to cry. Says the Berhetev, what that means is at that moment, they're judging you. He says, your Neshama feels it. Your Nefesh is aware of it. In Shemaim, they're judging you. That's the moment they're judging you. And the reason why you have that need to cry is because that's the moment of decision. And you got to take that moment and run with it. Now, those last words have to be, honest. not the Berhetev, it's us be, Omedavar Almito, Berhetev doesn't say that last words, but that is my, my read on it, meaning if you feel that emotion and you feel that need to cry, you can take that and run with it, and you could do a full tshuva and use that and really capitalize on it. But in any case, to be aware that that's the moment of being judged, I think is a very important concept to understand and for a Jew to to be aware of. Let me sum up what we've discussed in the session. Number one, it is a full, complete mitzvah. Say a full, complete positive commandment upon a Jew to do tshuva. Again, that chuva can be done any time during the year. It's specifically obligatory on Yom Kippur. Then a Jew must do chuva. If a Jew doesn't do chuva on Yom Kippur, then he violated this assay. The Shari tshuva explains to us that not only is there a specific mitzvah to do chuva on Yom Kippur, because Hashem created that day as a day of slichem, a day of forgiveness, of pardon. If a Jew doesn't use that day, it's a double slap in the face. Not only did I do the sin... Hashem gave me the ability to break out of this dark prison cell, and I don't take use of that. It's a double affront to Hashem, and therefore the Tshuva says we must make sure we use it. The Rambam explains to us that chuva works. Chuva works to the extent that it eliminates and eradicates completely an Avera. He says, even a man on his deathbed, if he does a chuva Gamura in maskirin law, they don't mention the sins at all. There is a perfect chuva and an imperfect chuva a perfect tshuva if a man is as strong as he was has the ability to do the sin and doesn't do it an imperfect tshuva is if he no longer has the opportunity he's no longer as strong as he was he no longer is in that situation but if he feels the remorse feels the regret that is also considered chuva. the mark whether a person has successfully done tshuva or not is made a love if the yodea tlumos if Hashem who knows all secrets would be the witness to him that this man never would do it again that's a total, complete chuva. However, there's a perfect chuva and there's less than a perfect chuva. As the Shari tshuva explains to so us, there are levels. Much like cleaning off a coat, you could take off a little bit of dirt, a little bit more, a little bit more. Depending on the level of remorse, depending on the level of regret, will determine how much is removed. There's a timetable for chuva being accepted. And a say is eradicated right away. A losa say requires Yom Kippur. It's a chuva together with Yom Kippur. A losa that's karesh. Requires not just a tshuva, requires yom kippur, and also requires Yisun, requires travails, pain. There's a losa say which carries chilas in it. That's even more severe, and again, that doesn't is not machaper until a person actually dies, until misa is fully machaper. All of these are the ben adam l'makom, ben adam l'chaveru between man and his fellow man. That requires another component. That's appeasing your friend, returning the stolen object asking forgiveness for the harsh words, that must be there for the tshuva to work. And there are four components to tshuva. Four components to a complete proper tshuva are number one, aziva sachet, leaving the sin. Number two, kabbal al plan on the future, I will never return to this again. And here's the plan. If I have a complete proper plan, that's a perfect tshuva. If I can't yet say that I'll never do it again, I can make myself begeder, osi tshuva, in the parameter of one who does tshuva. That Rabbi Yisrael tells us, also works. Learning Musa is a tremendous siyata, tremendous aid for doing that. The third component of tshuva is harata, feeling the remorse. And again, that's the one that will determine the extent of the cleaning up. And the fourth component of tshuva is the vidui. Vidui is asking, saying out the words, Hashem chatos, avisi, pashasi, Hashem, I sinned. I'd like to close this session even though it is a halakha session but I, I have a little vort that I would like to sort of share with you because it to me is eye-opening in terms of the process of tshuva. One of the jobs of an Abba is to be an entertainer and I only discovered this fully when it was my daughter's third birthday party. And as the entertainer you have to get up and play clown to three-year-olds. Now Baruch Hashem Three-year-olds are pretty easy to entertain. And even I am able to entertain three-year-olds. So when my oldest daughter was three, I got up there as Abba the Clown. And I went through my whole routine, put on two white gloves, and I did magic. Abba the Magician. And I stood up there, and I held up my two fists, closed up, and I hit them together, and magically a finger appeared. Then I hit them again, and the finger disappeared. Hit it, and another one appeared. Hit it, then two appeared. Hit again, they both disappeared. And I went through various uh, machinations appearing, more appearing, some appearing, some, some disappearing, finally the fist disappeared. Whole routine, I had the three-year-old laughing on the floor. They were having a great time. A <clears throat> wonderful little routine. Okay. The reason I share that story <clears throat> is because unbeknownst to me, someone had a camcorder and was filming the birthday party. After the party is over <clears throat> and all the children went home, we all went into the house and we put on the video to watch the party. And it was very nice. We got to see my daughter with the cake, blowing out the candles, her friends with the presents, all very nice. And then we got up to the part of Abba the Magician. And I saw vividly Abba the Magician. Finger. Finger disappear. Other finger appear. Two fingers. Oh, where'd the hand go? And the scary part of it was it was so vivid, so real, that I felt that I was back in that moment. And the reason why I share that story is because I think that is a very apt muscle for life. When we leave this earth, our entire life, every moment of it, every deed, every thought, every conversation will be played out for eternity. It will be a part of me, that which my brain forgets here, that which my conscious mind squelches, that which I no longer remember as long as I'm in this physicality called a goof, when I'm stripped of this physical entity, I will see, remember, and vividly re-experience the same emotions. Not just will I see the sights, not only will I hear the sounds, the same emotions that were going through my heart at that time will be going through my heart (coughs) for eternity. And that is a very powerful concept. Because there will be many moments that I'm sure I'll be proud of. Times when I was generous, magnanimous, times when I was clinging to Hashem, times when I davened appropriately that I'll be very glad that I did. But I, as all occupants of this planet, have also many moments that I would not be so proud of. Many moments that I'll be extraordinarily embarrassed by. Many thoughts, many deeds... Many things that I was involved in that I'll say to myself then, I can't believe I did it then, but now it's me forever and it's right there, vividly, completely, totally there, like Abba the magician, I'll see the fingers, I'll see the emotions, I'll see it all. And that's when it's very important to understand one of the great features of the camcorder. And that's called the erase button. If you look on the camcorder, there is an erase button. And that camcorder that we had even had something called a flying erase. And a flying erase is where you can eliminate an entire scene. And it's gone. No longer there. Stricken from the record. It expunged. It's not... <clears throat> no longer there. Erased. And my friends, that's tshuva. Tshuva is this unbelievable koach to eliminate a scene, get rid of a thought, get rid of a deed, get rid of a statement, get rid of a day of my life. Sometimes, al- maybe a week... Maybe a month, maybe even a year. Get rid of entire scenes, eradicate, eliminate, just chop, 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 edit. If you see a video editor, chop, chop, take that scene out, that scene out, those three seconds oh good. The rest of it was real good. Let's oh, let's slice it right there. It's video editing. That's called tshuva. <clears throat> the Jew stands there on Yom Kippur and edits the video, feels the regret, feels the remorse, goes through the four components of tshuva and really does it. He's editing out his life, eliminating and those scenes disappear. <clears throat> Some of those scenes will become weaker. If there's a little bit of harata, maybe level one, like losing $100, you'll see it fainter. You won't see the vividness. You won't quite see the fingers. You won't quite see the expressions. If you get to a level two, as if you really feel like your car got crashed, totaled, you'll see it more blurred. Maybe you can't even recognize the face. You don't even quite see the hands. If you get to a level three like you just went through a financial disaster, it may well eliminate the scene, but if you really reach a total, complete remorse, the scene is eliminated. It's no longer there. You don't even see blank. The scene before is connected to the scene after. Connected, the entire event wasn't there. May Kodesh Baruch Hu grant us the wisdom, the understanding, the koach, and the Seat Rishmaya to use the system of tshuva. May we all be zoha to a good geben shir. You've been listening to a Mitzvah to do Teshuvah from the Hilchas Teshuvah Bootcamp. This is part nine of the Lost Art of Teshuvah. This, as well as hundreds of other Shmuz audio, video, and articles are available on the or on the Shmuz app available for iPhone or Android. That's www.theshmuz.com or by phone at kolha 718-906-6461.